Hey, what's up? We're Brave Youth, a youth movement happening all across Miami, starting at our home, Brave Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We can't wait to see how God's going to use it to change your life. Enjoy the message. I'm here. Hello, my name is Pastor Whitney, and I am this hunk's wife right here, okay? So I know I know you guys all thought he was cute, but back off, he's mine, okay? Um, and so, hello, so good to see you guys. Um, I'm excited to be back because I'm not pregnant anymore, which means I can talk in a microphone and be able to breathe without feeling like I'm going to pass out. So I am very excited to be up here um, and to be back with you guys. This There is Hope has been amazing, okay? How many of you guys seen the bus that's going around, okay? There's like a bus that says There is Hope with Brave Church all over it. There's like signs everywhere. We got the cool invites that are back there on the connect table, okay? If you guys do not have There is Hope invites with you and Brave Youth invites with you, okay? You need to take them. You need to drop them everywhere you go, okay? Let it be the thing that just like falls out of your backpack, okay? Put them in people's... Wait, you guys don't have lockers, do you? Some people do. Some people... Okay, put it in lockers, okay? And let people get mad later, okay, if you do. Um, Leave them at the lunch tables. Put them in the mirrors of the bathroom, okay? Get creative. How about this? Give it to someone. Oh, okay, okay. Give it to someone, okay? We are spreading hope everywhere that we're going. Kaylin, great job with that video, okay? So good. Make sure you guys follow us at Brave Youth on Instagram, okay? So you guys can get connected and not miss a single thing that's going on like the weekend. It's going to be amazing, okay? Well, we're going to jump right in right away. And the title of my message today is There is Hope even when your back is against the wall. Turn to your, turn to your neighbor and say, even when your back's against the wall. I'm going to pray real quick. And then we'll give Jerry Lynn a break, okay? Dear God, we just thank you for today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for everything that you've been doing in our students' lives since they've been back to school, God. We know that you have called them and you are equipping them to do something more than just normal, God. And so, Lord, we pray right now that our hearts would be stirred, our ears would be open, God, and we'd be willing to receive and to hear what you want to speak to us today. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Give it up for Jerry Lynn real quick. Yeah, yeah. So have you guys ever heard the phrase, you're back against the wall? No? Okay. Well, I'm going to explain it to you real quick because I had a feeling that was like going to be the answer. All right. So you're back against the wall basically means that you are in a place where you have no escape. When you look to the left, when you look to the right, there is just no good way out, all right? Anybody ever been there where you've been in a situation that you're like, wow, there's just really no option here, right? Like no option that I want to take. My back is against the wall. I have no choice. I have no hope, no escape, all right? I'm going to tell you a story. Um, When I was in college, me and my friend, um, my roommate, we would go on these there's these things called brother-sister floors. It's really cheesy, okay? And we would go, and you would go with all the guys that your floor is paired up with and all the girls, and you would go to a full harvest party, okay? And there was something called a mirror maze. Has anybody ever been in a mirror maze? A mirror maze, okay? It's like a hay maze, like a corn maze. Anybody ever been there? Okay. But instead of walking through corn, okay, what would happen is they put mirrors just lined up, okay? It's like the creepiest thing in the entire world. And you are lined up with like this giant box of mirrors, and there's only one way out, okay? But here's the issue when you do a mirror maze. 
you see reflections everywhere you look, okay? So you never know if you're actually like on a straight path or if there's like a mirror right in front of you. Like for instance, I got separated from my friend Sammy, okay? And I saw her in front of me and I was like, Sammy, you left me here. And I started chasing after her and I straight up ran into the mirror and I fell on the ground, okay? Because it's just terrible. Everywhere you look, you just see like a billion things of yourself, okay? So it was Halloween time, and so this was a Halloweenized one, and so uh, the creators of this mirror maze thought it would be funny to put a clown in there, and so there was just this creepy clown walking around this mirror maze while you're trying to find your way out, okay? And I can remember this moment that I was with my friend Sammy, and we're standing there, and all of a sudden, we look in front of us, and we see the clown, Okay? Now, we didn't know if the clown was actually in front of us, if the clown was behind us, if it was picking up something from the left or the right. So all we knew to do was to run until we hit the mirror, okay? And we sat down on the ground and we just held each other and we were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we looked to the left, there was a mirror, okay? We looked to the right, there was a mirror. We had literally hit a place where our back was against the wall. There was no good option. The only option was for us to run straight at this clown, okay, that was coming at us, which was a terrible, terrible thing. We were left with no escape. So that's what it means. Our back's against the wall. No escape, no return, not knowing where to go. And so tonight I want to talk to you guys about what it means, what to do when it feels like your back is against the wall and how to have hope through that. There's a woman in the Bible and her name is Esther. Everybody say Esther. Esther was a legend, okay? She was amazing. If you think about any woman in the Bible, okay, like Mary gave birth to Jesus, awesome. Esther, like, saved, like, thousands of people, okay? Like, hundreds of billions of people, okay? And um, she was a legend when it came to having hope and hopeless situations. She wasn't somebody that just sat on the sidelines waiting for a situation to drop into her lap. Instead, she was somebody that got up and did something with her life. And I believe that God wants to compel a generation of people that don't just wait for things to come upon them, but people that want to get up and do something and go after it. And so people that take initiative, and she had this fairy tale story, okay? So there was this king, and he was looking for his queen, okay? And so he sent seven of his best men out, and he said, hey, I want you to go find the most beautiful, the most independent, the most submissive, the most, just the best of the best women that we have here in our kingdom, okay? And I want you to bring them to me, because one of them is going to be my queen. And the cool part about this, well, not the cool part. I hate this part because I'm super impatient. But they had to go into the kingdom and they had to sit there for an entire year while the king would just randomly, like, it was like the giant, like, bachelor or something, okay? Because he would just go. He would, like, talk to these girls when he wanted. He would call them to come, like, sit with them and have dinner with them. But it was only on his time, okay? Ladies, if you got a man like that, you better say, see you, okay? It ain't all about him, okay? But They're going, and the 10th month finally came, and the king ended up calling for Esther to come. And here was the thing. The women were never just allowed to approach the king, okay? There was one rule. Everybody say, one rule. The one rule was that you could not go to the king unless the king specifically called for you to come to him, okay? So again... See you later, those boys, okay? But he, but she sat there, and it was in the 10th month that he finally, the king finally said, hey, bring Esther to me. And Esther came, and it says in the Bible that immediately when she walked in the room, the king knew, I love her above everybody else. There was favor that was on her life. There was something more that was just apparent about her, that when she could walk into the room, it lit up. And the king knew, I could not walk away from that. I need that queen in my life. I need her to be the queen. And so 
Here's the thing is that she didn't know in the moment that she was selected to be this queen that she was going to get to a point in her life where she had a back against the wall moment. That she was going to have to do something where she was going to get to a place, a low point where she was going to have to decide there is no good option out of this. But you know what? I got to pick the best one. I have to go for something. And so here's something important to know about Esther is that she was Jewish. Okay, and in the, back in the day, you were like, Jews were not a good thing, okay? In this time, Jew, the Jewish people were rebelling against what the king wanted to do in that time. And so they were not highly thought about, but the king didn't know that she was Jewish in that time. It's also important to know that she was an orphan, okay? She was an orphan, and she was adopted by her uncle Mordecai, okay? Everybody say Mordecai. That's just a fun name. Who names their kids that, right? Okay. And they were adopted by her, her uncle Mordecai. But here's the thing about the king. The king only had two people in his life that mattered. Okay. Number one, his queen, Esther, right? Okay. The only thing that mattered to him. And then number two was his second in command. His name was Haman. Everybody say Haman. And Haman was the guy that went out and did whatever the king wanted, whether it was good, whether it was bad. It was like the work that didn't want to be done, okay? And he went out and he spoke on behalf of the king, and the king got all the glory, okay? That's like the best life to live, all right? Have somebody else fight your battles and then get the glory for it. That's kind of what we do with God, but whatever, okay. Um, So Haman and his BFF was his BFF, and Mordecai, the Esther's uncle, they did not have good chemistry, okay? Because Haman would tell Mordecai to do something, and Mordecai would be like, no, I'm not doing that because that's against what I believe, okay? And so it stirred up this whole thing that eventually Haman said, he came to the king and he said, you know what, king? There is a group of people that do not want to obey what you say. There's a group of people that are coming against you. They're causing all this trouble. I think we should kill them. Okay, And so basically he got the king to agree to kill all of the Jewish people, which means what happens to Esther, right? Okay, who knows what's going to happen to Esther. And so that's where we're going to pick up. Open your Bibles to Esther 4, 3. When it came to this point, there was a great mourning among the Jewish people in every province where the king's command came. They fasted, they wept, they lamented, they put on sackcloth and ashes. Esther's female servants, they came and they reported the news to her, and the queen was instantly overcome with fear. If you heard that your people, that all of your family, that everybody that you have ever loved and known and grew up with and cherished was going to be killed— Okay, because they were only doing what they believed in. Once you think that you become overcome with fear, right? No matter where you were at. And so Mordecai told this person everything that had happened. And it continues on in verse 10. It says, Esther commanded Mordecai, all the royal officials and the people of the royal provinces know that one law applies. Because here's where it was. Mordecai came to Esther and he said, you know what? You are the only person that has a chance to save us. You are the only person that has influence to the king. You are the most important thing to him, okay? And you are the only one that has a chance to save all of us Jewish people, okay? I messed it up for us, but we are about to all die, and we need you to do something about it. And Esther replied to him, and he said, don't you know the one rule? What was the one rule? Don't go to the king unless the king calls for you, right? Okay? He said, don't you know this one rule? If I go to the king, I'm not just going to get, like, spit on. I'm going to be killed. That's how severe it was. If you approached the king without being called on, you were killed, okay? Unless he had favor on you. And so she tells him, only if the king has favor on me will I survive. It's not going to, I haven't even been called to go to the king until the 10th month. I wasn't even called for the past 30 days. She's in this situation where she's like, I want my people to live, but I don't want to die, Okay? 
Like that's a pretty hard predicament to be in. And so Esther replied to Mordecai and she ended up coming to a point where she had her back against the wall and she had to decide, what is it that I'm going to do? Am I going to live for myself or am I going to live to bring hope to other people? And that's a question that I want to ask you guys because a lot of times the road that you're going to take, the choices that we have to make will not result in our lives ending in death. Praise God, right? Okay? But the choices that you do have to make to bring hope to other people sometimes are going to be in a place where you lose friends over it, where you lose influence over it, where you get looked down upon, right? Okay? And you come to this place where it looks like, you know what? I don't really want to do that because I've already got the good stuff over here. Esther had servants waiting on her. How many of you want servants waiting? on you, okay? And she was like being fed those grapes, okay? Like in all the palm trees, all that stuff, okay? She had the life and she had to decide what she was going to do. And so she ended up saying to Mordecai, she said, don't worry, go and assemble all of the Jewish people and fast for me. Here's the cool part, guys. How many of you guys remember at camp, if you were at camp, and uh, Pastor Jeff, he ended up saying, you know, I want to challenge you guys to fast on Fridays. Does anybody remember that? Okay, to fast on Fridays. How many of you guys have kept up with that? Okay, awesome. I love that, okay? If you haven't, jump back on it because here's the deal. There's power when people come together and they sacrifice something for a season because they want to see a better outcome. They want to see God do something more, okay? And so if you're in here, she ended up saying it's so special. She said, go and get all of the Jewish people together and fast for me because I'm about to make a big decision that could result in death or it could be the turning point that makes us all be saved, okay? And so whenever you have a big decision to make, what do we need to do? We need to call on God. We need to get people around us that are willing to stand with us, to pray with us, to give up something, to fast, so that we can make the right decision. And she said, don't eat your drink for three days or nights, and me and my female servants, we will do the same. And after that, I will even go to the king, even though it's against the law. If I die, I die. Replace that with, if I lose my closest friends, I lose my closest friends, but it's worth it. If I get looked down upon and made fun of, then I get looked down and made fun of. That's it. That's bottom line. It is what it is. I do what God commanded me to do. I do what's been instructed of me to do. If it happens, it happens. But there's too many of us, there's too many of us in this room that aren't willing to risk it all that aren't willing to risk it all. And so when you get to a place where you're pressed with your back against the wall, instead of making the right choice, you make a choice that's a safe choice. And God's not looking for people to make safe choices. He's looking for people to make dangerous decisions that are going to result in the hope of generations to come. And so we need to learn to be like Esther. And so Mordecai, he went and he did everything that Esther had ordered him. And so in that moment, you could imagine the night before she's going to the king and to approach him, am I going to die? Am I going to save these people? What's going to happen? Okay, and she's sitting there, and it might feel like this fairy tale, this good thing that God had going for her had just come to an end, right? It reached an expiration point. Have you guys ever felt like you had a good thing going, and then all of a sudden it was just like cut off in an instant, and you were like, how did we get here, right? Like those moments stink, and she had to sit there and she was faced with a moment that required more than her beauty. It required more than her wisdom. It required her to have discernment. Everybody say discernment. All right? The first point is learn to discern. Discernment is the ability to tell the difference between what's right and what is almost right. 
okay? The ability to tell what's right and what is almost right. I went to college downtown Minneapolis, and I'm going to tell the story real quick. But I went downtown, and we were all in this uh, park one day. Pastor Darrison was there. Our friends were there. And uh, we were kind of like in a little more ghetto area, okay? So, like, things happen. People happen. Okay, they come around. And um, we were there in the park, and this one day, um, there was this group of guys that just started to form. And I saw this girl in the middle, a couple different girls. They looked a little like, oh, I don't know if we should, they should be here right now, okay? And we saw this thing start to form, and people started to get, like, wild up. And so all of a sudden, our friends started running over, and they're, like, trying to record this. There was this fight that was breaking out, okay? And there was this guy that was literally grabbing this girl's face and shoving it into the cement ground, okay? And um, I remember seeing it, and I was like outraged. I was like, what is happening? And so me, little five foot three Michigan girl from a small town, okay, I'm like, I'm gonna end this fight, okay? And I'm telling you, there's like literally like 12 guys, like probably like 10 girls, okay? And they're all circled up. And you know how fights go? They're like, yeah, 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 like all in the middle, okay? And I think I'm gonna stop this fight, okay? And so I sprint over and I'm yelling, stop, stop, please, you're hurting her. Obviously he knows he's hurting her, right? right? Okay. And I'm running over and I go to go into the middle. And all I remember next is Pastor Darrison and Joel, our friend tackling me. And like, they pull me aside and they're like, what did you think you were going to do? You were not going to be able to stop that. Are you like crazy right now? And I just remember being so frustrated and so outraged that I was like, you know what? Something has to happen. Something has to stop. Now, obviously, um, my discernment meter, okay, was a little off because I had the idea of what was right, okay, like not to like kill her, not to beat her up, right? Um, but me running into the middle of the circle would have resulted in two deaths, okay? Not just one. I would have been gone and she would have been gone, okay? And luckily the police showed up. She was fine. Well, I don't know if she was fine. I hope she was fine. Um, but the police showed up. They handled everything. But you see, anyone can tell the difference between something that's right and something that's wrong. It takes a person that is in tune with God to be able to discern what's right and what is almost right, okay? For instance, it takes a person to be able to discern what is black, what is white, but what is gray in the middle, okay, right? We don't want to be people that live on the edge as close to the fire without getting burned, okay? We should not be people that live to please both sides, okay? God is so clear that I want somebody that is one way and one way only, not going back and forth, okay? I need someone to make a decision and stick with and how many of y'all can't make up your mind about anything, right? Okay, you're indecisive, okay? You better slap out of that because God is saying, I need some people that are gonna be able to make a decision and stick with the decision and I need to be in tune with the things that I have for them, with the things that the word of God has already written. And so she was in the king's palace, Esther was there, and she knew that just as Mordecai had said that this is the moment that I have been chosen for such a time as this, that it wasn't by chance that God put me in a place of power, okay, of a place of influence. Some of you guys are leading movements on your school campus, okay, and you're like in these campus groups, these campus life groups, and you are changing your school, but here's the deal, I would say don't sit back. Don't just wait for something to come along for you. Don't just wait for people to work, walk in the door, okay? This youth ministry, people are only going to experience God if you go get them, okay? And so we need to be people that are saying, let's go for it. And we need to fast and pray for people before they're even here. Because we want to see people's lives change. And so Esther said, before she made this big decision, before she went for it, before she could know what God's voice wanted her to do, she had to sit in the presence of God. She had to pray and she had to fast. And she had to get people to do it with her. 
And that's the only way that we're able to find discernment and learn to discern in our lives is if we sit in the presence of God and say, God, I want to know your voice above the rest. I want to know your character above the rest. I want to be somebody that acts only when you tell me to go, not somebody that acts out of like a split decision that I have to make, but somebody that knows that I've heard from God so that I can approach my hard decision confidently and boldly. I believe that God is commissioning some of you guys to do something that may be against the normalcy of what has happened in your day-to-day schools, right? He is calling you guys to do something that might be against what the natural eye says is okay, but it's okay because God sees a supernatural plan for it, and he just needs you to step into it. He just needs you to be somebody that will go into your math class, into your school, into your team, into Miami, into your family, and to do something and to speak life. And so I'm going to ask you guys tonight, what hard choice, what hard decision? decision are you one sorry let me redo this okay okay what hard choice are you one hard decision away from restoring hope for other people what choice is it that you have been putting off because you don't know the outcome of it because you don't know the cost and the risk of it okay but God has been commissioning you and saying go to this place do this decision I've already spoken to you to do this but so many times we don't want to because it doesn't seem glorious it doesn't seem cool it doesn't seem like something that's going to lift us up or push us further, but God is saying, do that thing. And when you do that thing, it's going to restore hope for so many people around you. All right. So what is that thing? And the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is favor. Everybody say favor. Walk in favor. Because here's the deal. When you fast and when you pray and you say, God, I'm going to take time for you. I'm going to get to know you. God places his hand on you. Okay. You might not know this. Okay. God loves each and every single one of us. But there is a difference between a person that God loves and a person that God loves that seeks him. Okay. Because God loves all of us. Okay. He loves random people on the street. He loves people that hate him. Okay. But here's the deal. God's hand and God's favor is only on your life when you seek him and when you pull for him and when you say, God, I need more of you and I need to be able to know you before I do anything else, okay? And so when you seek him, you're able to go into a place, instead of making an irrational decision, you can walk confidently in the favor of God. You can face your enemy straight in the face because you have waited on God. You have heard his voice. You have gotten the green light and he has given you the go ahead and you don't have to wait anymore because you already know God's hand is on you and every decision that you make from here your heart is right with him your heart is chasing after him and you don't have to worry about what's next you don't have to worry about the outcome of the situation I can remember one time I needed an errand to be run on a Sunday morning, okay, because I, I, I was doing the kids pastor thing, okay, and I was, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you need for kids ministry, okay, but one day specifically, I needed a 12-pack box of tacos, okay, from Taco Bell, all right, and I remember going to every single teenager that I knew drove, okay, and I would ask them, hey, real quick, could you run an errand for me? Um, you can just like take my card, okay, and go and get some tacos from Taco Bell for us, okay? We need them like ASAP. It's for the lesson. It's important, okay? And I remember going to every single person. I went through three teenagers, okay, and all of them said, no, I don't have gas. No, I don't want to do this, blah, 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 until I came to John, okay? And I was like, John, John, can you go get some tacos for me, okay? It's important. I know it sounds silly, but can you go to Taco Bell and uh, get some tacos, and uh, John, John, of course, is like, yeah, I'll go pastor anything for you, okay, because he's so great, okay? And he takes it, he takes my card, and he goes, and here's the thing is John could have been driving to Taco Bell and said, you know what? I'm running this errand for Pastor Witt, so I'm just going to take her card, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy myself some food, 
right? Okay, like it was a credit card with like a pretty big limit, okay, that he could have spent any money that he wanted, okay? It was, it was a little nervous, okay? He could have bought Taco Bell, all right? And he ended up going, he took it, but here's the thing that he didn't know is that me and Pastor Darrison had already talked. We said, whoever runs this errand, we're just going to be able to say like, hey, go get your lunch today. Just buy whatever food that you want, okay, for the day and be set, okay, if you can run this errand for us. And the thing is about that is that John said yes before he knew the benefits of what was coming for him. Okay, John said yes before he knew what was coming for him. And so many times for us, we're like, God, what's the benefit? What is it that you have for me? What is next for this? Okay, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm not going to sacrifice my gas. I'm not going to sacrifice my time or my identity or my popularity until I know what good thing is coming for me. But here's the deal. If you choose God and you say yes beforehand, then his hand goes on you and the blessings flow out of you. Okay, there is no limit to what God can do in your life when you say yes before you know the outcome. So John got free lunch that day, okay? And how many of you know free food is favor, right? Okay, all right. And so we're going to finish this story real quick. Esther 5.1. It says on the third day, Esther, she dressed up. It was the day. It was the, the homecoming for her, okay? She dressed up in this beautiful dress. She went and she stood in the inner courtyard and she saw the king from a distance. She knew this was the moment my back is against the wall, but you know what? I'm going to take the risk, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to approach the king, because if I don't do it now, then all of these people will die. But if I do it now, then maybe I'll die, but at least I died for something, right? And he goes, and she sees the king in a distance, and she walks up, and she approaches him. And this is what it says. It says that as soon as, instantly, as the king saw Esther, again, there was favor on her. And he stretched out his arm for her and he said, come. Now that doesn't happen, okay? I'm pretty sure that the king has killed multiple people by this point, okay? Because he didn't want to be bothered, right? How many of you like think that if I was, had a place where I could just be like not bothered, put up a wall and then kill anybody that tried to bother me in that? Okay, like pretty cool, right? So I imagine like the king had already done that so many times before, but then Esther had something different about her. And again, she came into the presence of the king and she sat there and he welcomed her and he said, come. And it didn't just stop there. She said, King, I have a mighty request for you. And I don't know how you're going to respond. You might not like the answer, but you might kill me right now because of what I'm going to say. But I'm Jewish, and you have a decree to kill my people. And Haman knew that, and he wants me dead. He wants all these people dead. He said, but I need you to save my people. I need you to save my people. And the coolest part was before this, the king said to her, Esther, anything that you want, you can have it. Anything that you want, you could have it. That was a crazy flip of the story, okay? That she did not expect that to happen. She expected a fight, okay? But here's the deal. She fasted. She prayed. She learned to discern and to say, God, when do I go? How do I go about this? What's the right path to take with this? And because of that, not only were her people saved and hope was restored for her, her life was saved, and she was able to be able to live to tell about it, okay? There are some things that God wants to do in you, okay? But he needs 
is to see if you'll be faithful with what is in your hands. In Luke 16, 10, it talks about whatever you do, if you are faithful with the little things, then God will bless you to be faithful with the big things, okay? There are some of you in this room that have callings to be pastors. There are some of you in this room that have mighty callings to go and be a doctor, to be a teacher, okay? There are things that God is going to raise you up to be in positions of power. But I am telling you right now, if you do not learn how to discern and you do not learn how to seek his presence so that his hand and his favor is on your life, you will not make it to the place that God has called you. And it starts now. It does not wait until you graduate high school. It starts now, developing that relationship, developing that momentum, that character trait that you can trust God through anything, okay? You don't trust somebody you don't know. And you need to know who he is. If you guys would stand to your feet real quick, bow your head and close your eyes. God wants you to prove to him that you're faithful and his favor is in your life. And here's the deal is that when he does that, when you prove to him that you can be faithful with the little things, he opens a door of supernatural things, things that you couldn't even dream or imagine. And he opens this door for you to be able to move through that and not just be a part of a movement, but lead a movement. And I know that's some of your guys' desires to lead a movement for people to be saved. And so Esther saved an entire population of people. Because she learned to discern and she learned to walk in God's favor. If you're in this room tonight and you're feeling like, you know what? My discernment meter is a little off, okay? I might not be running into fights, but I do feel like I'm not completely to the place that God wants me to be. That sometimes I, I see what's right and I see what's wrong, but I don't know how to choose the right thing all the time. Sometimes I just like to choose the in-between, like almost right thing. But tonight, I want to be somebody that stops living in the gray areas, and I want to live in the right area. I want to live in the right place with God. If that's you, I just want you to look up at me real quick. Awesome. Awesome. And if you're in this room and you're saying, God, I want to walk in your favor. I want to have your hand on my life. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt the choices I make are blessed because my heart is after you and my mind is with you but I don't feel worthy of it. I don't know how to get favor. I don't know how to surrender my life and my thoughts, but today, God, I want to do that. I want to make you the king of my heart. I want to see your will and say, God, have your way in me. I'm available and I'm willing. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ tonight, I want you just to look up at me. It's awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to pray real quick, and I want everybody in this room just to repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for coming and saving me. Thank you for having your hand on my life, even when I didn't see what you were doing. God, today we choose to hear your voice above it all. We choose to seek your hand and your will, even if it doesn't make sense to us, so that we can make the right choice and so that we can be with you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you like this message, hit subscribe and stay connected by visiting us at brave.guide. We'll see you next time. And remember, no turning back. The best is yet to come.